Welcome to the Being Known Podcast with my friend, Dr. Kirk Thompson. And my friend, the most beautiful man in the world. We are here Peppers. to Peppers discover me. and explore what it means to be truly known as Dr. Desire. The most beautiful man in the world. <laughs> Every now and then, I got to keep you honest. I got to, I got, yeah. I, and for, if we have new listeners, if we have new listeners, I, I want them to know right out of the gate. Yes. Yes. Who indeed. they're listening to. Indeed. Who they're listening to. You're listening to the Being Known Podcast, and we are so excited that you are. We would love it if, if you would rate and review us on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen. Um, that helps us get new listeners so that we can share the news of Dr. Desire being in the house. <laughs> Today we are venturing into episode nine of season eight. And this season we have been placing ourselves in the path of oncoming beauty. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a lot of deep stuff. And um, it's helped me personally to practice the attunement to beauty and to sort of reignite that in my life, some of those practices, and to be paying attention to uh, the things that I'm paying attention to, and to allow more beauty into my life and learn how that is affecting me in, in every aspect of my life. And today we are talking about the state domain of integration. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, Right. We've talked in other seasons about this particular domain of the mind, this notion that we all encounter different states throughout our day. I have a state of mind that I'm in when I'm at my dinner table or if I'm playing pickleball with my wife. By the way, my wife, who's now retired, is like picked up pickleball and she's like, she's killing it. Have you played just, yet? Have you played? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now she's playing th two to three times a week. Oh, that's awesome. There were, there, were two other, there were two other women, our neighbors, who retired with, all. they all retired within a month or two of each other and they're now all going playing pickleball two to three times a week. That's so fun. Great. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And so we have these different states that we're in and, you know, we, we can talk about it pretty easily. Oh, a state of mind, we all kind of get it. As it turns out, these states have high correlation with particularly durable neural network firing patterns. And like, well, what, what does that mean? That means that, you know, on our typical workday, when my alarm goes off, I hit the alarm and I get up and I, there, there's a certain routine that you enter into, whether you go to exercise and then shower and then if you're having time for solitude or prayer or whatever, there is a certain way in which when you've practiced being in that state, the, the alarm goes off and the state gets primed and it is automatically ready to go in your brain. Mm. But that if, if it's a Saturday and we're going to get up and go play pickleball, that's a completely different state of mind that you get primed for. And you might say, oh, this is, and this is all very interesting. Yeah, fine, whatever. Except that these states become more and more durable. By durable, I mean once the state gets started, once the alarm goes off on a Wednesday, everything about the brain is primed to enter into that particular state. So I'm primed to go to work. And then even within work, I have certain times of, you know, you have a state of mind that you're in with when you're with one patient or then another patient. And you, Pep, like, you know, you've got multiple states going on because of all the different, I mean, the, the, I mean, I don't know how many burners you have on your stove now. I, I don't, I can't count the number. It's like, a, it's a huge Vulcan stove. I know that that's, 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 that's meant to, to like cook for a battalion, you so, know, the Marine Corps. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious, Kurt, when you say that we're, 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 we're primed 
for that state of mind is does the pattern of doing those things knowing that it's coming the brain knows it's coming so you're already primed for what's what's coming when you wake up is that what you mean by that right it's prime meaning and and it knows this without our being consciously aware right that it knows this and this can be if, if, if for in many respects this is all this is all kind of pretty neutral like it's kind of like i remember when i was a kid a young a young kid i would be home after school my mom was already at home you know she's preparing dinner and my dad would get home at about 5:30 5.30, quarter to six, because he closed the store up at five o'clock, about 5.30, and I would hear his truck door close. And when I was a really young kid, like six, seven, eight years old, uh, the back door entrance where he came in, there was this little kind of landing area where you come in, and there was a, a little ledge that you couldn't see behind. And every time I hear the truck door close, and without thinking, I would go and I would crouch down behind this little landing area. <laughs> and he would come in and around the landing area, and I would jump out to startle him. And I mean, every single time. Like it was as if it was the first time, right? Right. Now, I don't know what he knew and what he didn't know. And if he knew I was there, or if he didn't, but like, it felt to me like, oh my gosh, the, like this, is, I, I can't, but, but there was a certain, like, I didn't have to, th what, what should I do? Like, no, you, after you do this for a while, you hear the car door close and you just start to do this. And, and there you have your activity. In many respects, there are lots of things that we do with the course of our day in this rhythmic way that we enter from one state to another. You get in your car, you turn your car on. There, you're in a certain state of mind when you're driving your car. Certain state of mind when other things happen. Here's the tricky part. We have lots of experiences in our life in which we would have, uh, you know, when, when our traumas leave us with unprocessed grief. When we have parts of our lives when, you know, I mean, I, like I grew up in a house where like uh, I wasn't really comfortable with people being angry. Right. It was, it felt uncomfortable, threatening to me. So when I sense people are angry, it shifts my state of mind in ways that I can't easily regulate. It's not, so I have to practice taking a breath because otherwise my state of mind will take off on its own. And our listeners, I think we all know what, what this is like. We are these rhythmic beings. We are rhythmically moving from state to state to state. And this, all of these states that we move from, the, there is a certain energy expenditure that takes place whenever we transition from one state to another. And that expenditure, sometimes we like, we like you know, if you're going to a concert, if you're going to go to a Bengals game, you get the chance to go see, like, you know, we, I, there was a different Broadway, Joe, but now I don't know if there's a famous street in Cincinnati, but if there would be, we would call it something State Street Joe or whatever for Joe Burrow. Like everybody's coming like to see the show. Right. 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 If we want to see that, like if I, if I, I'm transitioning to that game, there's a certain expenditure of energy, but like it's anticipation of something beautiful. It's going to happen. But if I have to, if I'm like coming home from work where things have been okay, but I know that I have to have a hard conversation with my wife. I'm having to transition. But sometimes we get surprised by state changes in ways, you know, you 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 think you're fine and, and the next thing you know, your boss or employee or your spouse or your friend or whatever makes some comment and suddenly your brain transitions to some state that feels distressing, hmm. that feels really difficult for me. And if that is a state that is reminiscent of what it was like for you growing up in your house in which when people would get angry or anxious or frightened or whatever, and you would find yourself in your own uncomfortable state and un, uh, like you get transitioned into that place 
And there's a certain energy expenditure that we make with that. All this transition, all these, all these rhythms are just like they are echoes of the material world, right? You start with the cosmos, right? The turning of the stars, Earth's rotation, seasons, tides, even human birth, right? When you are, when women are in labor, there's a going and a coming, a going and coming, right? With this labor, trying to get with contractions, the baby comes, the baby goes, and then, and then, you know, the baby goes off to college, right? There is this rhythm that takes, and then we get where individuals, we have cardiac and pulmonary rhythms, and we have the rhythm of our gait, and we have the rhythm of our gaze, I look at you, I look away from you. And then there's this rhythm of solitude and community that we're always in. But one of the things that happens with trauma is that those rhythms get disrupted. And we find ourselves stalled in these fearful states, states of shame, states of sadness, states of grief. And we will then do everything we can to avoid those states and oftentimes we're doing it, we learn in early in our years that we, we learn to avoid them. We learn to kind of package them away without even knowing that that's what we're doing. We just kind of do it quite automatically as a way to just not pay attention to it. In the same way that, you know, I'm playing in a football game or on a basketball court and I tweak my ankle, but I really want to play the game. And so I just keep playing and the injury and the pain of the injury, I just, I'm, I find a way to not pay attention to the pain because if it's not so bad that keeps me from playing, I'm just going to keep playing. But the next morning I wake up and I'm wondering why my ankle is so sore mm. because I have effectively kept from paying attention to the state of pain that my body is trying to get my attention about. I'm just going to keep playing. And we all know, we all have these kinds of experiences and the threshold of awareness is different for different levels of injury. Sometimes if the ankle injury is bad enough or if the cut on my finger is bad enough, I can't avoid it. If the wound is bad enough with someone mistreating me, I can't avoid it. But we're a particularly capable species of not paying attention to our trauma. And so when we encounter beauty as a rhythmic exercise, we find that in doing so, we are actually participating in the very way that we were made to live and breathe in a flourishing fashion. We are allowing beauty to be a cadenced part, a state of mind that I want to enter into on purpose. And when we do this on a regularly cadenced basis, I strengthen my remembered and anticipated life of beauty by remembering that encounter that I had. And so I keep these artifacts of beauty at the ready for those moments when it feels like I'm losing my mind. If I practice on a regular basis you know, allowing myself to be in the presence of beauty, what I'm doing is I'm stacking those experiences in my remembered self. My neural networks of memory put them in a place where I can access them. They can be at the ready for moments in which I'm not feeling beautiful. When my emotional state is dysregulated, as a means of establishing a sense of grounding in my body when I'm feeling really overwhelmed. One of the things that we do in our confessional communities is when they have, when someone has a, has a, has an experience that is particularly healing, 
we will stop and say, this is a moment of beauty that I want us all to, we're just going to pause and we want everybody in the room to remember it. Especially the person who's had that moment of healing, I want you to go around the room, look at each everybody's face. I want you to pay attention to what you're feeling, what you're sensing, the sense of wholeness that you have, the sense of relief that you have, the sense of connection that you have. And we'll take 30 seconds, 90 seconds to do this. And then we will say tonight and over the next seven days, we've, we've talked about this here on the podcast before, we want you to write, write this out like you're writing the screenplay of what just happened here. You're actually in putting yourself in the path of beauty, of the moment, that it can become something that you can call on. You're then going to turn your attention toward that beauty. And allowing that moment to turn your attention toward wholeness, toward, as we've talked about, the four S's, right? To be seen, soothed, safe, and secure. We're also inviting beauty in those moments to draw our attention to the present moment and away from either the chaos of rigi- or rigidity of the worry of the past or the anxiety or the, or the regret of the past or the anxiety about the future. And so these are just some of the ways in which the practice of making sure that beauty is a part of our cadenced rhythmic self, we create states of beauty and goodness. And these become states to which I can turn my attention in those moments when other states find me that are so unpleasant. You know, you all may have heard, Pepper and I took a trip to El Salvador, and we have so much to share with you. In fact, in a future episode this season, Amy will interview Pepper and me about our trip. Pep, you remember Vanessa, the mother of the two little babies? Oh my gosh, yes. Yes, we went to her house. Vanessa is a mother of four, two of which are twin babies. You know, we witnessed Vanessa and her husband going to great, and I, I mean great, lengths to provide for their family. And the thing that I realized, you know, in the moment is they have the very same dreams and hopes for their kids as we have for ours. And what we discovered was that with the support of a compassion sponsorship, it's possible for those dreams to be realized. You know, Phyllis and I have supported Compassion International for years, and we're so aware of the amazing work that they do. And one of the unique features about Compassion is that they work with the local church And what I love about this is that when help arrives, it arrives with a familiar face. We witnessed this impact firsthand in the way families experienced feeling seen, soothed, safe, and secure. You know, we saw the need firsthand in El Salvador. Consequently, we are centering our efforts there. However, should you feel a call to sponsor a child in another part of the world, you'll have that option as well. We as a community get to be part of this mission. We invite you to join us by sponsoring a child. $43 a month provides a child with all their basic needs and hope for a brighter future. Go to compassion.com forward slash known. That's C-O-M-P-A-S-S-I-O-N dot C-O-M forward slash K-N-O-W-N. And remember, $43 a month will literally change a child's life. Join us. You know, through this work that we've been doing the last eight weeks or so, well, you know, obviously longer, but this sort of specific work towards putting ourselves in the path of oncoming beauty. So 
there was something that at, in, in my life that was triggering me, that was triggering anxiety in me. And I couldn't understand, like, I thought it was something that I should have been triggered by just ba- on the face of it. But in doing this work and doing it in a, or as a rhythmic exercise, Mm-hmm. I've I've had some self some discovery of why mm. I th- why there was this triggering or mm. why I feel mm. this triggering and and it's tied to stuff from my childhood and and and, and things mm. that that has just so putting myself in the front of beauty mm-hmm. has sort of forced me to focus on some some of the cracks in the lens mm-hmm. uh, some of the mm-hmm. trauma mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, that I'm feeling from present day things, but it's really tied to yeah. this, these past things. Yeah. 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 Hey, so I'm wondering, can you, I'm wondering if you can say more about the process for you by which the encounter with beauty is connecting you to that yeah. event. Yeah. Not even so much about the event itself, but like, what's your, how, 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 what's your take on how? Well, I'll say one thing. I think, I think that when I am actively putting myself in the path of beauty, whether it's some of the uh, photography that we've been talking about, whether it's Mm -hmm. meditation, Mm -hmm. like we're going to be talking about today, I feel like when I'm doing that, I also can't be anxious um, mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. So when I can really be focused on this, I can't, so the anxiety is relieved. So that gives me like clarity. And as my, as my mind sort of is focusing on the beauty, there's just been some revelation through mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. wait a minute, this is, so my mind kind of went to where these connections were happening. And, and then out of that, out of having that experience, then going and having the conversation with with my wife in particular about, you know, this is what I'm just what I'm finding and what I'm just like then voicing it and being able to share it with somebody has taken a lot of the air out of the balloon for me. Yeah. So yeah. that then when I'm faced with those same triggers today, I'm able to see them more for what they are, as opposed yeah. to, you know, it feeling like an attack or it feeling like you know. Yeah. Does that make sense? Right. Dude, like I okay, so I mean even as you're saying this, like I'm I'm just I'm just aware of this whole notion of how you know, before the show I was talking about how we I've just started to I had my first meeting yesterday uh with a new spiritual director and I I, I mentioned how, you know, I I know there is a part of me and and my my spiritual director for the first time is is a woman. And I, I know that one of the things that I'm looking for in this is, is a non-anxious presence mm. in someone who is older than me, someone who is able to be in my presence and I can be completely confident is like, I'm not going to have to take care of this person. I'm not even wondering like, at what point am I going to have to take care of this person? Mm. And being in that presence enables, and yesterday my first, enabled me to name things. Mm. and it's so like things that i that make me things about me that make me anxious right that make me sad make me angry make me ashamed in particular and it is stunning to see what happens when you're in the presence 
of something that is not anxious, but is very present to you. Yeah, yeah. How it calms me in such a way that I can then name the things about my own story yeah. that have been unpleasant, that, that I have judged, that I have said, like, that's bad about me, mm-hmm. without the condemnation. And I think about what you're talking about, this, this whole notion of how beauty kind of ushers us into this wide open space. Yeah. Like, so to your point, if I'm, if I'm present, I'm less anxious. And if I'm less anxious, my heart is opened to becoming aware of something about my story, but without the shame being connected to the, and I can observe it without judgment. You, uh, yeah, something's up. No, I, you know, so I, I would get, you know, these triggers would happen and all of a sudden I'd be in a state of mind that just, there was no transition. It's like that. And like you were talking Dude. earlier and it's, and so now having the understanding that of what the root is to all mm-hmm. of this, mm-hmm. it's just helpful. It's helpful yeah. to me in right. the moment to realize, wait a minute, I don't really even need to be anxious about this thing that's in front of me. This reaction that I'm having is not a, not even necessarily about what's happening to me in the present. Right. And, and so having not had taken the time to have times of contemplation, to have times of beauty, to have times where I'm, I'm, you know, because I'm telling you that when, I'm, when I say trigger it, mm. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, right. yeah, I'm feeling this, right? right. I'm tingly and I'm, right. yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Right. And well, so like, yeah, yeah, no. Well, I mean, like even that whole thing about transition, I mean, part of our challenge, we, we, we say that, look, most of our troubles in our life uh, occur because of the difficulty that we have in our transitions from one state to another. Mm. It's the transition that creates it's the transition period. And this is the thing. If I have a, you know, in our, in our last episode that we, where we interviewed Sean, yeah. right. We, you know, we, we talked about this, th- these moments of being surprised yeah. by beauty, yeah. but when we are surprised, the transition, like we certainly transition from one state to another, but we don't have much, there's, there's not much of a period of transition. The transition is quick. Yeah. What you're saying is that you can go, you, before you have a transition that happens very quickly yeah. and sends you into a state of mind that is very unpleasant. Yes. The work with beauty enables you to contemplate this in such a way that now, if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, if I'm now, when the trigger comes, when the event comes that evokes something, you have extended the transition period. Mm. Yes. Yes. You give yourself transition time. So this is not unlike, you know, when we say to uh, three or four year olds, when we're on a play date, we say, Hey, I just, this is a five minute warning. Right. Right. Now, now we could leave in two minutes and they wouldn't know the difference. Right. Or we could leave in 10 minutes and they wouldn't know the difference. But it's what we are doing is we are drawing their attention to the notion that we are going to be transitioning. It helps them get ready for this. And so when they leave, they're far more able to make that transition rather than just, okay, bud, it's time to go. Yeah. And this is, this is just true for what you're talking about. And, and, and it's not just that I'm, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to wait. No, beauty, contemplating beauty enables me to wait with 
the expectation that I can actually make this transition in a way that leads to beauty and goodness, that leads to greater integration, that leads to like, so for instance, we talk about the tripod of awareness that I want to be open to experience, that I want to be observant, right? I want to be, I, I want to, without condemnation, I want to observe it, mm-hmm. not critique it, whatever my experience is, so that I can be objective. And by objective, not as opposed to subjective, but to see the entire object, to see the entire object. And what you're describing is you include more of your story in your awareness. What you're recognizing through your time with beauty. Beauty enables you, if I'm hearing this, beauty enables you to have the space to be able to recognize, oh, this isn't about this present moment. This is about a part of me that was six or 16 and something happened and I can be compassionate and merciful and I can, you know, I can feel things for that part of me that still feels very, very young, feels vulnerable. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I can look and that back changes and what reflect, I'm doing right? Yep. 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 Yeah. And not regret. Yep. 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 Like those tracks. Yep. Yep. Yep, exactly. Our time tracks. Yeah. And, you know, we, um, I'm just thinking about uh, my first encounter with Rothko. And then we talk about, we've talked about number one here. I mean, I'm sorry, number 61, Rothko's number 61. This, uh, it's here in my office that I love. And that was part of our season's yep. time. This notion that beauty itself, as it reveals different states of its own, it therefore enables me, like what you're talking about. It allows you to have things revealed to you mm-hmm. about you. And that takes time, right? Like when I, I, I can, I can listen to one piece of music and just listen to it once. And you're like, okay, yeah. but if I'm willing to listen to a piece of music over and over and over again, and by that, I mean, be really present with it. If I'm, and you know, if I have to, if I look at a Rothko painting, mm-hmm. I don't immediately have all the objective pieces there on the, it's just this color. And it is inviting me to take my time. And it is in that space where I have to uh, give the beauty time to speak to me so that it can reveal to me parts about me that I work really, really hard to stay away from. Yeah. All these different states. And, and you're right. Like, if I have a, a remembered event or series of events that would evoke a particular state of mind with me, I don't want to go there if I don't like that. If it's painful, I don't want to like, yeah, I can't wait today to feel really ashamed. I can't wait. <laughs> I hope this thing gets triggered in me. Right. Looking forward to it. Right. You know, it's like, it's like thinking like, well, I hope somebody punches me in the nose today. I'm looking forward. Like, no, no, that would be silly. We're not, we're doing just the opposite. And also kind of like what we were talking about with Sean, this, this notion that, you know, when we imagine beauty, we imagine that, oh, I'm going to encounter this. I'll be surprised by it in a way that is wonderful and exhilarating. And yet if we stay with it long enough, it, you know, it's coming for every part of us. Yeah. It, it, it will reveal parts of ourselves, you know, just by sitting with it, it will reveal parts of ourselves that we had, that we had forgotten about that we, you know, and it's not always the most beautiful parts of ourselves. At least we don't see it that way, but sometimes those parts lead us to the most beauty that we can find. Right. Well, and I love what you said about, so you had this discovery, you had this, this revelation 
And then you talked about it with Nell. Yeah. Right. This is the next step of this, right? Revelation is not just when things are revealed to me about me. It's not just for my own private, you know, awareness. I need in saying this to somebody else, I'm actually making the revelation and the encounter with beauty that even that much more permanent Mm -hmm. and that much more vulnerable because I can say to somebody else, gosh, I had this encounter and it revealed that I, it's not just one person. I've got, I've got a list of people that I need to forgive. Yeah. And you might say, oh, well, the, you know, I can say that, yeah, the list of people you forgive because there are all these people who, and I can actually, actually know, let me be even more like transparent and say, in each of these situations, the forgiveness includes me having to repent from the story that I have been telling yeah. about these pe- people. Yeah. You know, I like the idea of having a list of people that I need to forgive because of course then I can just keep in mind the way I've been done wrong. But then you're like, oh, beauty continues to stick around. It reminds me, you know, there is, there's the story in, in the, the magician's nephew where the nephew, the, the boy, I'm blanking on his name right now. The, the boy, when, when Aslan is about to create, he's in the process of creating Narnia. And the boy who has let the, the, the queen in, you know, in, she's come into earth and now she's moving from earth to Narnia. And Aslan is, and Aslan's having this conversation with the boy. How did, how did that happen? Well, and the boy starts to talk about what she did, Jada, Jada, right? How, what she did with, and how did that happen? And how did that happen? And it wasn't until the boy was finally able to own his role. And he's terrified because he's speaking to something that could kill him. He doesn't know any different, but that's the case. But then he reveals, right? And so beauty, the lion's beauty, like he he's demanding in the same way that he is healing. He's also demanding. And so what this what these practices do, I think, is that beauty really ultimately strengthens our ability not only to be aware of our own states of mind, these various ones, but that then enables me to be even more aware. Like if I'm if I'm more aware that I have multiple states of mind, I can become more aware and curious of the states of mind of others and merciful toward them, especially when I'm with people who, you know, behave in ways that create uncomfortable states of mind for me. I can say, oh my gosh, I wonder, I wonder where that person is. Like, what's the state of mind? What's happening with them? They're, they're behaving in a way right now that I'm not liking and I can just take it personally and I can just accuse them of being mean or whatever, or being mindless or whatever. But I can also be curious about what the discomfort is within them. If I am practicing being aware that those things are true about me all the time. You know, in the opening scene of John 11, the Gospel of John, as he walked along, he came upon a man born blind. Is the opening line of John chapter, I'm sorry, not, not John chapter, John chapter 11. This, this opening scene, this is, I'm confused. Let me pause. John 11, we're talking about the opening scene where Jesus is with his disciples. This is the story of Lazarus. Jesus is with his disciples and we, they get the news that Lazarus is sick. Please come. 
And the disciples have all kinds of states of mind because they're like, I don't think we should go there because they they wanted to try to kill you the last time you went to Jerusalem. Yeah, this is this is this is not really this is this is bad for marketing. And Jesus waits and waits and waits and he and he's you're given the opportunity in the text to witness these different states of mind. Jesus is in a very different state of mind than the states of mind that they're in. And then by the time we get to Martha, her state of mind. And then you get to the Mary, her state of mind. All having to interact with the state of mind that Jesus has. And he is paying attention to them. Each of the, each sets of the disciples, Martha, Mary, he's praying, he's with them. They're all in different states of mind. And his is one of a non-anxious presence that is able to be present with them because he's deeply aware of his own state of mind. Deeply aware of this. And he can then connect with each of them in their own particular ways that they need while he continues to do what he intends to do. And this is what beauty does. Beauty enables us to continue to move on the path that God has for us, even while we are encountering other people who are in different states of mind than ours. Because it does for us the very thing that you're talking about. When we encounter beauty in that way, it allows us to have the experience of being healed, but also being revealed so that we can go on and create that same possibility for others. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, you talk about trauma as a, a lens that's been shattered. It's been cracked. And and mm. and um, I, 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 it feels to me like Beauty is one of the things that can work as a salve to that lens yeah. and help us help us to see more clearly through some of those cracks and see. Yeah, it's been totally really helpful for me, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. For, yeah. Well, I, I just just one last thing I just want to highlight, um, Pep, and that is that um, you know for our listeners, we we are. I mean, I'm just thinking like here we're recording uh, in mid November, and uh, the world is on fire. It's on fire in the Middle East. It's on fire in, you you know, Ukraine. And those are just the two stories that capture the front headlines because they'll sell the most papers. But there are stories all over the place that now have just kind of, you know, moved into the woodwork where, uh, in, in which the fire is burning just as hot. Right. And some of those fires are burning in our kitchens. In our bedrooms and our boardrooms and our, you know, the news of, you know, the most recent story of sexual abuse that's taken place in the context of a church. And the more desperate we are, the more urgently we feel the need for an answer that I can just apply. I can, that will just fix it. And I need my, I need my, I need the solution and I need it now because the pain is so great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are very wordy people. We want logical, linear answers to everything. We figure, you know, with the illusion and the delusion of modernity that we're going to have progress until we no longer need to talk about pain because it won't be here anymore, which I say, like, it's not just an illusion, it's a delusion. And the gospel comes with beauty. Mm. The leading edge of the gospel, the leading edge the story of the biblical narrative 
is that of a vulnerable artist who comes and whose very presence, the embodied presence, long before he's talking about all kinds of things, his very embodied presence, his gaze, the tone of his voice, the embrace that he, with which he holds the children to come to him, who the disciples want to shoo away. It long precedes this, this beauty that enters into the world and invites us to come to him, all of us who are weary and are burdened, and gaze upon me, gazing upon you. And then and go, then go and be that for others. And I think, dude, I, th- I think about the relationship that you and Amy and I have. I think of the number of times where uh, I have left these recording times and other times when we've been together so much more integrated and relieved because I've been the presence of, of, of beauty in our relationship. And, uh, you know, it, it corrects and heals and reveals my states of mind and brings me into a place, a wide place to stand that the psalmist in one, in, in, in verse nine of 31 Psalm just reminds us of that. And so I just want to thank you and Amy for being uh, you know, living, breathing embodiments of these states that enable us to be the creatures that God wants us to be. Yeah, I feel the same. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, yeah. last week we, we talked when we were talking with Sean and, and the encouragement for the artistic offering for the week was to spend some time in meditation and contemplation and an easy way for people to, to get our doorway into that, we offered them to go to KurtThompsonMD.com forward slash reflections or just go to KurtThompsonMD.com and click on the word reflections at the top of the page because that will lead you to a space where there are things made available to you that are beautiful and uh, will will help with a rhythmic exercise in mm. in beauty mm. and meditation. You you mentioned Rothko 61. There's a uh, there's that that is up up there. Mm-hmm. Um the mm-hmm. Wendell Berry poem um Piece mm-hmm. of Wild Things is up there. And one of the practices that you've taught me over the years and and I've shared with others is the space of strength and beauty, the the breathing mm-hmm. exercises that, that you that you have mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So, Kurt, can you talk to me for a minute? We we touched upon it some in this episode already, but um, what is the benefit of putting ourselves in front of this kind of beauty, in front of this mm-hmm. reflective, contemplative, meditative beauty? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Pep, just fundamentally, one of the things that trauma does to us is that it leaves us in states of mind in which we sense and feel the lack of agency, like I can't do anything. The, the, the two pillars of trauma, one is that I'm overwhelmed and the second is that I'm unable to do anything to change it. I'm powerless to do anything to change it. So one of the first things that these meditation exercises do without our even being aware of it, but we are practicing developing agency. You choose to go to the website and you choose to put yourself in a position. That's the first thing that's happening. I have agency. I can do something. And this is crucially important when we're talking about any kind of healing. 
It's crucially important. And so even when we don't have agency ourselves, I think about the friend who was brought by four other friends to Jesus on a mat and he dropped him through the roof. That friend was paralyzed. He couldn't do jack. But what he could do when Jesus said, stand up, that's what he did. He could choose to believe. He's going to live as if his sins are forgiven which might be hard, but he has agency. So this is the first thing that we're doing. Practicing begins this, 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 is, this is a huge, God wants partnership. He wants real people who are really acting willfully on their own. Small ways, that's how we begin. That's the first thing. The second thing is that it, these are practices that bring us into spaces of the present moment. And being in the present moment means I'm reducing my anxiety. From reducing my anxiety, I am more open to taking in what I am paying attention to. And if what I'm paying attention to is beauty, as we like to say in the business, we become, we become what we pay attention to. Hmm. Become. In our relationships, if I'm working hard to develop relationships that by their very nature are ones of greater love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I become more of that because that's what I'm paying attention to in these relationships. When I'm listening, when I'm looking at a Rothko painting on the website, if I'm listening to Beethoven's symphony, if I'm listening to David Wilcox, if I'm reading, listening to Wendell Berry's poem, I am allowing myself in the way that I sense and image and feel to be drawn into a space of great integration. This becomes something that I can become that I like I with agency, I have now participated in developing a state of mind in which I am comfortable and confident. And I've been a participant in this. And if I'm practicing this enough, this becomes a thing that I can then take with me. I'm reminding me, like I hop in my car and I'm driving to work and I'm thinking back on Wendell Berry's voice. Dude. Hmm. Dude. Like Wendell Berry's voice, like you, you, yeah. you, you there's no you can't put a price tag on it. Yeah. And I'm aware. I'm like, no, this is this is what I'm going to pay attention to. And, and so I then take this beauty with me such that it enables me to look for and see beauty in my world on purpose when heretofore I wasn't. I was allowing myself to be caught up in all the anxieties, all the ruminations, all the future problems, all the regret of the power. That's where my mind is going. But if this is how I'm practicing, I now begin to look for beauty in my day-to-day -day life that continues to take up more and more real estate mm -hmm. of remembered experience in which there's literally like more minutes out of the day that are taken up with me looking for discovering and having relationship with beauty this invariably has impacts on how i'm now going that's going to be the state of mind that with which i approach even the hardest moments of my day. This becomes transformational, not just in the moment that I'm encountering the beauty, but it then becomes something that is forming me in such a way that I'm a different person when I enter into moments where beauty is not so easy to be found. And as we like to say, if neuroplastic change is anything, it is a thing that takes place with lots and lots and lots of practice over small moments. So even two or three minutes, Three to five minutes. Yeah. Right? 
several times a week. It doesn't have to be like an hour. We can find that, you know, when, when we are uh, willing, Jesus will take everything we give him and every mustard seed that we give him, he's going to turn it into an entire field's worth of harvest. Beautiful. You know, um, I just want to invite you all to continue this practice, make it a rhythmic exercise. There are so many resources on Kurt's website, and Kurt has also, you've also turned me on to Into the Silent Land, the Laird book, um, which is a great book on Christian contemplation that I've found very helpful. There are a lot of resources is what I'm trying to say, and we are trying to make those as accessible as possible to you. This is a important work. It's uh, affected my life in a positive way and just want to pass it on mm-hmm. on to you folks. And thank you, Kurt, for having all those. I mean, it, the resources are great and the way it's set up in your yeah. website. It did yeah. a great job. So thank you for yeah. that. Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. So next week or this week, I would, um, I would say, uh, we would love for you to seek out, and it's very easy to find on the internet, and, uh, and that is Van Gogh's Irises. I actually found a website that has it where you can download it and right now I'm looking at it it's filling up a full monitor in my in my office the irises and it's just you know to spend time just looking at this is it's putting myself in front of this beauty is um is a great thing and we'll talk about it next week so this week yeah I, I can't wait because I, I I I know a little of this story and dudes like I can't wait for our audience to hear yeah, yeah. and yeah. this week we want you to spend some time there and, uh, and yeah. so you're ready for, for next week. And until then, Kurt, it's great being with you. Yes. You too, man. Thank you. Thank you. Just, will we put uh, the, the link for the downloadable place? Can we put that in show notes? Of we course we can. Yep. Yes. And uh, if those of you watching on YouTube, stick around because uh, Amy Chella is going to be joining us here for our post-show conversation. Love you, buddy. Right on. Love you, man. This podcast is produced by Kurt Thompson, Pepper Sweeney, and myself, Amy Chella. Audio production and editing is by Keaton Simons. Video production and editing is by Mark Gould. Speaking of videos, each week we post the video version of every episode to our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube by going to youtube.com or your app and searching Being Known Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on social media at Being Known Pod. If you like this podcast, tell a friend. Tell all of your friends. And please like, rate, and review. Be well, be known.